It's the Kim Munson Show, analyzing the most important story. Socialization of transportation, education, energy, housing, and water. What it means is is that government controls it through rules and regulations. The latest in politics and world affairs. Under this guise of bipartisanship and nonpartisanship, it's actually tapped down the truth. Today's current opinions and ideas. On an equal field in the battle of ideas mistruths or misconceptions and it is getting us into a world of hurt is it freedom or is it force let's have a conversation indeed and welcome to the kim munson show thank you so much for joining us you're each treasured valued you have purpose today strive for excellence take care of your heart your soul your mind and your body my friends you were made for this moment And thank you to the team that I work with. That's producer Steve, Zach, Patty, Keith, Charlie, Jen, Echo, and all the people here at Crawford Broadcasting. And uh, happy Thanksgiving week to all of you. Uh, We are pre-recording our shows and pre-recording this particular show with uh, Richard C. Lyons. He'd recently been a guest on the show, and I thought he would be a great guest to be able to have a longer conversation with him uh, because he's written a number of books. His most recent book is Shadows of the Acropolis. And uh, uh, we'll be talking about American democracy and just thought we could uh, delve into that a bit more. So we've pre-recorded this show uh, so that uh, you will um, get to hear a little bit more from Richard C. Lyons. Uh, Check out the website. It's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You'll get first look at our upcoming guests as well as our most recent essays. You can email me at Kim at Kim Munson.com. And thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. Richard C. Lyons, welcome to the show. It is great to have you. Well, thank you, Kim. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, And right back to you and yours. And uh, Richard Lyons, C. Lyons, is a multi-award winning, critically acclaimed author from the Midwestern United States. He was educated at Loyola Academy, the University of North Texas, and Southern Methodist University. He's enjoyed a professional career in printing, publishing, and stage production. And he's also an award-winning screenwriter. And you can get more information at Richard C. Lyons, that's L-Y-O-N-S dot com. So, Richard, before we get into this, now we are pre-recording this a couple of weeks ahead of time. Uh, We've uh, gone through the 2022 midterm elections. There's still some questions out there by the time, hopefully by the time this uh, is broadcast, we have all of these elections uh, decided and resolved. But what's your take regarding the 2022 midterm elections here in America? Well, I'm always a fan of um, split government, one that um, has a balance of of power that uh, you have to negotiate certain things. Um, In the past two years, the Democrats have controlled every branch of government, and when they do so, they inexorably, uh, you know, create, uh, bring more wealth into the government, they expand the government, whereas when Republicans win, they more or less just hold the line on the expansion of government. So... Uh, you must be thankful for what you have, and uh, hopefully we'll have uh, two houses of of the government in Republican control. I wish Republicans wouldn't just uh, do the status quo. I wish that they would start to reduce government. Uh, but, you know, the p- people that have been in office for a long time, on both sides of the aisle, it's not in their best personal interest to reduce government. And I, I kind of learned that. I was on city council, Richard uh, Lyons, uh, from 2012 to 2016, and I realized that there is this march towards bigger and bigger government, 
and maybe maybe Republicans might uh, try to to slow that growth down. But we need to start to elect people that understand that the proper role of government should be limited and small and within certain boundaries uh, instead of this ever uh, increasing expansion of government, Richard. Uh, yes, this goes back a long way now, Kim. Um, a government that's always giving something away to somebody is uh, a government that gains votes. I mean, if I if I can tell you I'm going to give you a free Thanksgiving uh, dinner with all the trimmings at no cost to you, uh, you're going to like the person providing that. Um, that. That is always the problem of government. Government is uh, is a thing that's always growing and concentrating power based on the things it can offer. Uh, and it's become, our government has now become the chief caregiver in America, and that's a dangerous role for government to have. It used to be uh, that our faith-based associations had that power, but it has now been assumed by the government. So, R- Richard, a couple of things. First of all, if the, if, if the government comes in and says, I'm going to give you Thanksgiving dinner, uh, government doesn't create anything. So for them... Correct. To- <laughs> Correct. <laughs> so- They've taken that from somebody else. <laughs> exactly. So they've taken some pumpkin pie from somebody else to, to exactly in order to buy votes. And right, don't you think the founding fathers wrestled with this? They realized that human nature that people do like to get things quote unquote for free, but they also realized that there nothing is free. And and uh, I, I, I maybe it was Jefferson who said that that uh, the government that uh, can giveth can take it away as well or I, you probably know better which founding father said that but uh, yeah. ultimately um, government will run out of other people's money as Maggie Thatcher said and then they'll start to have to ration the stuff that they're giving away to people yeah I think the the conscious and deliberate design of our constitution was to leave power at, at outside the government so when we were originally created the founding fathers designed a means whereby localities took care of themselves as much as they could, uh, states took care of themselves. Uh, the federal government was largely left out of anything that wasn't international in basis or commercial. Uh, but over time, uh, principally in the last 100 years, uh, the idea of a benevolent government has taken hold in America, whereby uh, government is seen as the all-providing source of, of plenty, uh, this principally since uh, Franklin Roosevelt, in an address in 1944, uh, created what was called the Second Bill of Rights, whereby government became responsible for every citizen's happiness, which is actually a means of invading every uh, the common treasury of the country and redispensing wealth based on a political party's will. So it, it really changed right then in a, in a manner that the Founding Fathers could never foresee. Well, and it was really influenced, uh, Woodrow Wilson influenced um, FDR, but, and we talk about the last hundred years, so it's been a little over a hundred years since yep. uh, Wilson was exactly right. president. But address that, uh, Richard. Well, Woodrow Wilson, uh, he was the first to conceive of the administrative state in America. It's based on ideal state theory from Germany, from Frederick Hegel, the philosopher. Uh, Woodrow Wilson was the first to pronounce it in his writings and then to actuate it in his presidency. During his presidency, uh, FDR was the Secretary of the Navy and a very big fan of Woodrow Wilson's conception of an administrative state 
beside a representative government so that you have really two governments, one that is representative and one that is uh, based on lifetime appointees who create rules. Well, and it's kind of like, what could go wrong with that? Well, we're... (laughs) (laughs) Everything. 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 So, Richard, under Wilson, we got some of the progressive amendments to the Constitution. And one was the income tax, and the other was uh, making senators, the the, uh, election, a popular vote instead of uh, where it was... And the founders were very thoughtful when they said that the senators would be elected by the states and the House uh, House of Representatives the by the people, or the state legislature, right. yeah. Right. But those the two things... Conce- Go ahead. Yeah, the states were conceived as if, if the state representatives are elected by their legislatures, they also, they are there to protect the state's interest and the citizens' interest within their state. If they are elected popularly just by the people... Their, their willingness to defend states' rights becomes less. And we've and, seen that uh, play out. Yes, exactly right. They, I, I talk about it in the book, and I call it the inversion of the representation in, in the Senate. The Senate used to represent the state and the people of their state. They now represent the federal government back to the people in their state and what they can get for the people in their state. See, when, when the income tax was created, it took all the wealth of the country and put it in one treasury so that the central federal government decides what money every locality gets back so that favored senators and favored persons in the House of Representatives, right, mm-hmm. if they're Democrat or if they're Democrats, they're favored. If they're Republicans, they are not. Um, but they get their money back. <laughs> persons that are not in favor with the central government do not get their money back so that this central treasury has since been a place where political parties can plunder uh, monies that they want to give back to their states. So that is the reverse of how our country was originally designed. Originally, all wealth was to stay in localities and states and then be given to the federal government by the state. Well, and the income tax really did change everything. Because then one of the next things was that then you started to have breaks on um, on income tax. So, for example, uh, charitable giving. You know, at the time, and I think you alluded to it, that um, the social issues were taken care of by charities. But yes. then what happened was you add in the income tax, and it's like government's taking more responsibility, but these charities out here, uh, they would get um, tax breaks, or, or you would get a deduction for uh, helping support those charities. Of course, we've seen that whole nonprofit thing expand significantly as well. But it was akin to then government picking winners and losers, in, yes. in my opinion. Yes, correct. And um, and it's been the growth of government has been incremental. So you'll, I mean, more and more, it's becoming um, it's taking over the responsibilities of other areas in society. So that. Um, with the income tax, yes, it started to starve uh, associations of faith. It used to be that um, the federal government used to be 7% of the GDP of the country. Um, the well, 7% of the wealth of the country went to fund the federal government. That was before Wilson. Nowadays, it's 50% when you add up state, local, and federal. So, I mean, the, the amount of money now taken is just massive. Well, and in a way, I think this—I think there's a, a form of slavery in this. 
if 50% of everything uh, that that we earn is taken by the government involuntarily and we I think we all agree that that there are proper things that government is supposed to do and people will pay taxes yeah. for that but 50% that's that's a lot that that's a I mean, that's taking a lot from each and every individual. Well, it means that every person who pays taxes, and only half the country does now, but every person who pays taxes works from January through June for, the, for government. That's a long time. So you could say we're half enslaved. <laughs> yes, half enslaved. But, uh, but they want to make it more enslaved. Um, and I, I want to talk a, a little bit about this debt that has been incurred, incurred um, because I think there's something immoral about passing that on. But we're going to go to break. I'm talking with Richard C. Lyons, and his most recent book is Shadows of the Acropolis. And uh, uh, highly recommend it. There's a lot of uh, just thought-provoking uh, things in there. So highly recommend that. We're going to go to break. Before we do that, though, one of the sponsors of the shows is Hooters Restaurants. And it's a really uh, interesting story how we became business partners. It was stems from when I was on city council, and it's a story about freedom and free markets and capitalism. But they're a great place to get together with friends. They have happy hour specials Monday through Friday, lunch specials Monday through Friday. But check that out at my website. That's KimMunson.com. We'll be right back with Richard C. Lyons. Three Points Financial is a fiduciary financial planning company focused on helping individuals and families. Mary Alpers and Steve Cruz at Three Points Financial specialize in investment strategies, tax planning and preparation, and retirement planning with no product sales or commissions. Tax laws have changed and will continue to change. Inflation is real. Three Points Financial helps you maneuver through these changes to achieve your financial success. For clarity and a solid, relevant financial and investment plan while working with a company that puts your interests at the forefront, schedule a no-obligation initial consultation at threepointsfinancial.com. That's threepointsfinancial.com. No matter how you define it, inflation is out of control. Increasing prices at the gas pump and grocery stores are hurting everyday people. All these challenges we face are preventable. Individuals must understand what is going on and who is responsible. That is why Kim Munson is bringing truth and clarity to the issues facing our families, our communities, our state, and our country. Now more than ever, it's important to support Kim's independent voice. She has the courage to research and inform you about the real issues. It's not easy, and Kim could use your help. Go to KimMunson.com to contribute. Again, help Kim by contributing at KimMunson.com. That's M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there, and you can email me at Kim at KimMunson dot com as well. Uh, very pleased to have on the line with me and uh, doing this pre-record of the show is Richard C. Lyons. Uh, he is an author. Uh, he's an award-winning screenwriter. And he's had a career in printing, publishing, and stage production. His most recent book is Shadows of the Acropolis. And, Richard, I wanted to ask you about this debt that, um, that we have here in America. And almost every president, our debt has increased, except, I think, under Calvin Coolidge. And I looked at Calvin Coolidge, and I'm like, well, if he, if, if he could do it, we could do it. Although the numbers are staggering right now, but... 
there's something in the American founding that we would pass something good on to the, our children. And in their case, they put their lives on the line for liberty. And here we are passing on this huge IOU. And I think there's something immoral about that, Richard. Uh, it's not only immoral, but it's against the form of our government, which is uh, based on if you are taxed, you are represented. Oh, uh, yes. Handing, handing this debt to a future generation, you're telling that generation that, that uh, they already, they've already incurred a debt. Money equals uh, power. Wealth equals power. Wealth equals the ability to, do, to have choice in, in your future. Right. Mm-hmm. If you have if you have ten thousand dollars in your hands, you have the right to choose how to spend it. If we hand a debt to the future to a future generation, we're taking the uh, the liberty of choice away from that general generation uh, per se. And it's also I, I I would just say as a citizen. I mean, you and I we're just fellow citizens. But it's obscene the amount of money that is being spent by one form of government or federal government in that we are spending January through June and give all our wealth to that government, and it's not enough, but they have to spend more. And the the present debt of America is greater than at any time other than following World War II when we fought a war on two fronts of the world. Uh, So it's really obscene that we're spending this sort of money in peacetime. Uh, And in one manner, if I may, uh, at the same time that the Democratic Party is throttling the fossil fuel industry, it is also taking our wealth uh, to destroy the fossil fuel industry and to create an alternative based on what the Democratic Party wants to create, uh, and doing so through uh, uh, the stock market. It's really it's outrageous. It really is outrageous, and we do a lot of different shows regarding health and hydrocarbons and in um, uh, one of my guests, Rick Turnquist, had written a piece uh, regarding that hydrocarbons are foundational to the thriving and prosperity of everyday Americans. And yeah. it's mind-boggling that this is under attack by those in our government now. And it's been going on under the guise of environment or climate. But the veil is coming off, or the mask is coming off on this, Richard. Well, if... if- uh, your good listeners read my book, Shadows of the Acropolis. You'll find that FDR was the first to first to make a foray into private industry when he went after the utility companies of the Southeast to create the Tennessee Valley Authority. It's the same playbook that they've been using since that time in assuming power through industry. It's um, it's reminiscent of uh, of what China does. China picks winners and losers. They take money wrested from the population and put it into the, to their favorite uh, people and industries. And uh, whether you like it or not doesn't have anything to do with it. Um, so this whole, this whole uh, greenhouse scare, uh, this whole climate change argument, I looked through the research. It has never been concluded that there is climate change. Yet it would change the whole structure of our country and overtake an entire industry. The energy sector is 8% of of uh, the GDP of our economy, and through which 92% of our economy uh, runs, because every every uh, business needs energy. So this takeover, it's massive, it's meaningful, and uh, it, it should be stopped. 
Well, it's interesting that you would say that. I have a, a, I, ha- I think I have the smartest listeners in America, <laughs> but I had one of our listeners that had, had reached out and said that he thinks the Biden administration is attempting to take over our energy industry via, well, rules, regulations, but taxation, because we recently heard Biden say that he uh, wanted to you know, institute some new taxes on the industry. And I hadn't thought about it, but that, that does make sense that that could be the agenda, Richard. Uh, it is the agenda. It's, it's evident. And, and if you'll listen to what Biden said in the past week, they are like decrees from a king. He has said, I'm going to put every coal-generating uh, coal business out of business, every coal plant out of business. He has said he's not going to allow any more drilling in America. Well, what does that mean? And if that's not enough, if you, if you read the book, FDR used all the same tools. They, they tax a sec, uh, the private enterprises within a sector. They tax them. They fine them. Uh, they create litigation against them. While it, all right, so that's the fossil fuel industry. While at the same time, they will give Green New Deal companies, they will give them tax breaks, they will uh, give them uh, investment from taxpayers, and uh, everything good. So well, they will destroy the fossil fuel industry and, and protect and, and invest in their friends. But in doing so, this is going to hurt people in a, a major way. And I, I figured out finally, Richard, that the green energy movement is indeed about green, but it's the one that's uh, in, <laughs> <laughs> in people's pockets, you know it? <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly so. Wealth and power, they go together. Okay, how can we get this turned around, Richard? By reading, well, reading it, your book is a place to start, right? I, I think everybody needs to be educated on what really is going on, and I thank you for your part in that, Kim. It's a great part you play. But everybody has to understand what this, this gathering of power into a centralized federal government in one city in America, this has been going on for 100 years, and the momentum keeps gathering. It keeps gathering. Uh, we are now close to an end game because the end game of this movement of power, uh, the end game is that the federal government determines everything uh, in our country, that states and localities don't determine anything. It's, it has to do with our basic rights. Uh, it's, it's been quite the, uh, the, the Republican Party needs to know what the stakes are. The stakes are our free enterprise system. The stakes are our system of federalism. The stakes are our, constitu- our foundations in constitutional law. These things are all threatened by this, by this concentration of power in the administrative state. Well, and Republicans are complicit in this. Uh, when I look at... Um, they have been. Yeah, when I look at uh, McConnell, Graham, uh, how long they've been in Washington, D.C., uh, and I, I look at the, where we are in our country... There there seems to be a correlation of not standing up for the principles of the American founding because they've been there long enough that they could have have done something about it, I think, Richard. Uh, This goes back. The first George Bush was a great example of of this sort of Republican. After Ronald Reagan had done everything he could to to stop the growth of government, he did not reduce it, but he, he slowed it down. Uh, George Bush I had the opportunity to, with the debts that were accruing because uh, Reagan could not cut government, uh, Bush was faced with a choice. He could either pressure Congress to reduce the deficit by reducing social spending, 
right? Mm-hmm. Or he could create a new tax that would cover the extra spending. So the Congress promised Bush, look, if you will raise taxes, we will consider reducing the size of government, the, the, the size of uh, our social uh, spending budgets. Bush acquiesced because he would go along. He's a Republican. He was raised in government. So he said, okay, I understand. So I will raise taxes and you're going to help. <laughs> and the Democrats said, great, raise taxes. And it lost him his, his next presidency. Well, and he looked, I remember, uh, didn't he look in the camera and say, uh, read my lips, no new taxes? No new taxes. Yes. And he, and he lied about that. The Democrats lied about reducing the budget. Everybody lied. Uh, in that instance, and uh, the deficits went up, taxes went up, uh, the usual. So, yes, there's a very big problem, and there's been only two people to threaten this, two persons in the last hundred years, and they were Ronald Reagan and Donald Trump. They were the two persons who said, wait a minute, we cannot keep growing government. It is at everybody's expense, both in wealth and liberty. Uh, And those are the two principal threats to this form of government that we have. Fascinating. Uh, Richard C. Lyons, let's go to break. We're talking about his book, uh, The Shadows of the Acropolis, and uh, we're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation. And on the line with us is Steve Cruz. He is uh, co-owner of Three Points Financial with Mary Alpers, and uh, we pre-recorded this day after Thanksgiving. Uh, Steve Cruz, um, we're talking about gratitude. What's your thoughts on gratitude? Yeah, uh, it's, I think it's funny that on the, the, the day after a day that we celebrate uh, Thanksgiving is one of the largest spending days uh, that, that us in the U.S. Um, um, have. And so it's my thoughts around gratitude uh, from, from a financial uh, point of view. Um, there's a lot of research out there. Uh, Dr. Thomas Gilovich out of Cornell has been studying um, you know, money and its impact on people's lives for over 20 years. And we, we just, we think that more stuff many times equals more success or more happiness or whatever it is. Um, but the research just doesn't show that. Uh, it really comes down to contentment. Are we content with what we have? And then also mo- much more than things, uh, the research shows that experiences um, the experiences that we share with people, uh, other people, those are the things that really um, give us some happiness, and those are the things that we we really um, remember. And and it's true if we if we really stop and we think about you know the holiday times uh, and we think back to uh, our childhood or recent years and and memorable holidays. Usually, it's not the stuff. Um, it's it's the experiences that we had and things that we shared with other people. And so today I just wanted to bring up those those two things. Contentment is where it's at. And then experiences, experiences that we share with others. Uh, those are the things that really uh, make a difference in our lives and other people's lives. Well, and Steve Cruz at Three Points Financial, you guys really are the, the points, the three points, the whole package there. And so you help people with their financial goals so that they can seek contentment and have those experiences with the people that they uh, value and treasure. Uh, where can people get more information about Three Points Financial? Best place is our website, threepointsfinancial.com, and that's 
three spelled out through pointsfinancial.com and there's a contact us uh, section there on the website they can set up a call with us and we'd love to, to talk to them well, thank you so much. I'm so grateful for your partnership with the show, and I wish you and your, your family a, a very blessed Thanksgiving week here, and uh, we will talk to you very soon. All right. Thanks, Tim. And we'll be right back. The Metro home ownership real estate market is very tight right now. That's why Kim Munson recommends you have seasoned REMAX realtor Karen Levine on your side of the table. Karen Levine will help you navigate through the many details of your home buying experience so that you can successfully pursue your American dream. Because Karen Levine cares about property rights for each individual, she volunteers hundreds of hours to represent home ownership opportunities at the local, county, state, and national level. If you are considering buying or selling your home, call Karen Levine today at 303-877-7516. Again, that's 303-877-7516. You'd like to get in touch with one of the sponsors of The Kim Munson Show, but you can't remember their phone contact or website information. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, kimmunson.com. That's Kim M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. All of Kim's sponsors are an inclusive partnership with Kim and are not affiliated with or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Kim Munson Show and grow your business, contact Kim at her website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. And you can email me at Kim at Kim dot com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. And uh, we've pre-recorded these shows for you for Thanksgiving week, and they are pure gold. And uh, we're talking with Richard C. Lyons, and he is the author of Shadows of the Acropolis. But this is volume two. Uh, Your first book uh, was uh, The DNA of Democracy. Tell us about that, Richard. Well, when when I approached, like many people a few years ago, Kim, I was wondering what went wrong with our government and how it had changed. And so in order to do that, I had to first write a book about how it was formed and why. And so I went back to all the uh, democracies of history and the uh, Roman Republic and then uh, to Britain and all the pieces that came from those governments and landed in our own, in our own constitution. So I, I chronicled the growth of democracy and how it affected our own. Uh, now, democracy has been sporadic. It's been fragile. It has failed everywhere it's been founded. But I took the glory of those democracies and representative republics and how they formed our own constitution so that I could then write Shadows of the Acropolis to show how we've departed from that uh, basis. Well, and I find it so interesting. So first of all, I'm realizing that the battle of language is really important. And so many, and I used to do this all the time, uh, uh, called um, the left democratic and uh, like they'd say, Democratic representative. I no longer do that. I say Democrat because I don't think there's really much Democratic about um, the way they're governing right now. But we've also seen throughout this election cycle 
Joe Biden, many of those Democrats saying that this could be the end of our democracy. What would you say to that, Richard C. Lyons? I, I would say that the left is very practiced at semantics. And, it's, and the way they govern, you're exactly right, is uh, not very democratic. You have in your, in your uh, promo, in your beginning of your show, uh, uh, government by will and force. Now, that was an old term used by the Plantagenet kings and King John famously, will and force. And that is how the Democrats are ruling now through their agencies. The EPA uh, tells people in Wyoming how they can water their ranch. And if they do not do what the uh, EPA says they should, uh, they will be fined daily until they do. Now, that is will and force. It's the will of an agency using force of of fines and and uh, and threats to get a rancher in Wyoming to do what they tell them to do. And uh, and I was on city council 2012 to 2016. And what I saw under the Obama administration, speaking of water in Wyoming, was was the waters of the West. And I was kind of naive. I I was a new representative, and but I could I could inherently understand the danger. And uh, it was so interesting, Richard. So I'm sitting at a city council meeting, and Public Works is making a presentation regarding a runoff from uh, lawns, different things like that, and indicating that that this waters of the 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 West or waters of the maybe that's not the exact name of it, but whatever it was, um, that it could there might be rules and re- regulations regarding runoff from lawns. And then they they put up a picture of a house. And it was my house. And I said, that's my house. I mean, it was so ironic the way that happened. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this would control how we watered our lawns even. I, I thought it was yeah. remarkable. Yeah, it was. Um, uh, that was uh, Barack Obama taking, taking what was a, a, a landmark uh, legislation uh, during Nixon's presidency, which um, had the EPA rightly uh, Governed what was being input by industry into the great navigable waters of the U.S. So you you think about the St. Lawrence Seaway, you think about the Great Lakes and all that. Obama, through the EPA rules, uh, changed that uh, to being that the federal government would control everything the size of a puddle in America. So if you had a puddle in your in your ranch in Wyoming or a puddle in your yard in Colorado. The federal government can get into your backyard and tell you what you must do. They that, can get on your ranch and tell you. One rancher in Wyoming wanted to make just a, a pond for his for his animals to drink from, and he was told he could not. And that he, and that would affect his livelihood. Ultimately, that affects it affects everything. And they did so because there was a lake, two hundred and twelve miles away, that was said to be affected by this pond. So it's the EPA just wanting, it's, it's the will of government. Government is a power that is always trying to gain more power and always trying to reach for more control. And our government has been susceptible to that for 100 years now. Richard, uh, we are at, I think, a precipice now uh, with our country. And that's why elections are so important 
what do you think about the 2022 midterm elections? And, and again, as we're recording this, we don't have all the answers yet. But what's your kind of your big picture view of this? Well, the hope, you know, is that the Republicans gain the, the House and the Senate by even a vote, if necessary. But that is, it is a period then of two years where, where the anaconda that feeds on us uh, will just digest what he's already fed on for the past two years before taking more uh, wealth and power from the American people. But it isn't sufficient. We are, you're exactly right, I put it that we are at a, at a Y in the road where we're either going to descend into an ever more controlling government akin to what you see in China, or we're going to start dismantling uh, the administrative state by communicating what it really means, that this administrative state rules by, by rules and not by legislation. It legislates through rules. Uh, if, if people understood what the consequences were of an ever-gathering centralization of power, they would all the, at least Republicans and independents and many Democrats who vote Democratic today would vote against uh, the administrative state. So I think I mentioned, now I can't remember if we said it on air or in between breaks, but I did a voter's guide. I started in 2016 regarding issues that are on the ballot in Colorado. And we can get issues referred to the ballot out here, uh, Richard, one, either via the legislature or two, by citizen petition. And that that means a certain number of of signatures to get it onto the ballot. Um, But uh, does that happen in Florida as well? Uh, Yes, it does. We just had um, five or six things which the citizens voted directly on, which were brought onto the ballot by petition. That's correct. Okay. So last year we had a uh, an issue, and it was a new marijuana tax, and I'll put this in air quotes, for the children, for after-school programs for the children. <laughs> and as I, I read the actual text of the, the measure, I looked at it, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this creates this new bureaucracy that lives off of tax dollars, but the, the governing board uh, members would be – chosen by this uh, radical activist Democrat governor, and then they would choose their replacements. The uh, bureaucracy could accept gifts um, from private or public entities. Uh, It took it outside of our our Colorado's Taxpayers' Bill of Rights, and it's like, what could go wrong with this? And there was big money that came into it, and in fact, a a big Republican operative firm here in Colorado was... um, was running was uh, managing the the campaign but the the real money that was coming in was from the left and so i decided to to work to inform people on it and it actually was defeated uh and when i said unelected bureaucrats chosen by this governor and they choose their replacements at that point in time most reasonable people said "Mm, i don't think so Correct, and that yeah, it, it shows you that governments, you know, power is, has the same nature whether at the state level or the federal level, and they always want to take power and preserve it, secure it. So when you think about the administrative state in Washington, what has happened is through through FDR and through LBJ and through Woodrow Wilson, powers were taken from localities and states and individuals and heaped into the administrative state, which is full of lifetime appointees who then have the power to make rules whereby we, you know, we have to abide those rules. 
these are not our representatives. And during the Obama administration, that was a, a real uh, staggering fact. During his eight years, over 20,000 rules were issued with the force of law from his agencies. At the same time, only a little over 400 laws came out of Congress. Wow. So if, if you, if those numbers are very stark. So most of the laws we live by now are not created by our legislators. They are created by lifetime appointees who are doing the will of one party in power. Well, and, and it's not just the rules at the federal level. We see that also in state, the state bureaucracies coming out with things you know? as well as uh, in local governments as well. Uh, so we can see that happening. Yep. So we've got about three minutes left in this particular segment. And I think it is so important that we understand that this big administrative state, it lives off of we the people. And many of these, and I'm going to call them fat cats, they get big salaries, big pensions, while the regular people, all of us, we're paying taxes. And to try to accumulate wealth, if we're, as we talked about it first um, in the first segment, when the government is taking half of everything that we earn, it's difficult for us to create wealth for our retirement, our pensions, but yet these folks are living off of that. Your thoughts? Um, and then when you pass away, uh, when you and I pass away, Kim, whenever we've saved, they take half of that. <laughs> and that's... You're, you're, you're twice, you're taxed to death, literally. Uh, it's obscene. It's obscene. And, that, and yes, the, the persons making money in Washington, D.C. are the lobbyists, the consulting lawyers, and, and persons in agencies determining uh, what lobbyists to listen to, right? Right. It has become, that area of our country has become one of the wealthiest areas on earth. Uh, that locality, you can take a few zip codes, and it is the wealthiest area, one of the wealthiest areas on earth. You know, like London, which is full of a lot of expats from uh, foreign countries who have a great deal of money. But uh, Washington, D.C. has become that, and it is a symptom of what's wrong. And just bear in mind, uh, we don't see any manufacturing plants, any creativity or innovation going on there. So where is <laughs> no, that they, money they coming from? Take. They only Any money they have, is not. they do not generate it. They take it and determine to whom they will give it. Right. They determine who to take from and who to give to, and that's where the lobbyists come in. And that's how they make their money. Yep. And it's not only taking from the American people today, but through this uh, debt that is being taken on, it's, it's taking from our ch children and grandchildren as well. So, Richard yes. C. Lyons, let's go to break. Uh, we're talking about both your books. And uh, the, the uh, first book was The DNA of Democracy. And then uh, Volume 2 is Shadows of the Acropolis. That's Richard C. Lyons. We're going to go to break. We'll be right back. Every family needs a healthcare team that has your child's best interest as the priority, and Roots Medical is proud to offer exactly that. At Roots Medical, we strive to empower and educate both parent and child about the importance of gut health, how to implement healthy changes in the home, and of course, all of the benefits that come with a fully optimized immune system. Same day and sickness appointments are available and easy to schedule. For more information, visit rootsmedical.net. That's R-O-O-T-S medical.net. Roots Medical, getting to the root of your healthcare concerns. Inflation is rocking our boats, especially for individuals on fixed incomes. If you are 62 years or older, mortgage specialist with Polygon Financial Group, Lauren Levy, can help you navigate this inflation squeeze with a reverse mortgage. 
Additionally, if you are considering buying a new home, refinancing your existing home, or consolidating high interest debt, it's not too late to lock in an interest rate before interest rates increase again. Don't wait. Kim Munson recommends you call Lauren Levy today at 303-880-8881 for a no-cost consultation. That's Lauren Levy at 303-880-8881. The ability to protect and defend yourself is your right. Having the knowledge and skills to protect yourself the correct and safe way is essential. At Franktown Firearms, they will equip you with both the tools and the skills. The team at Franktown wants you to learn how to build your confidence and improve your skills with the help of their trained experts. They will take the time to make sure you choose the right gun for you and teach you the necessary skills to carry it safely and securely. This holiday season, consider giving your loved one a firearm training course at Franktown Firearms. They offer one-on-one training or group classes depending on your comfort level and skill. You will find they are fully stocked with guns and ammunition at or below MSRP. You can be assured that you are providing a gift that will truly keep on giving and let your loved ones exercise their freedoms and rights safely and confidently. Visit klzradio.com slash franktown today to give the gift of freedom. That's klzradio.com slash franktown. Franktown Firearms, where friends are made. Americans Veteran Stories with Kim Munson, Sunday afternoons at 3, here on KLZ 560 AM and KLZ 100.7. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there, and you can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. We are an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. And uh, want to just, before we get back to Richard C. Lyons, mention the USMC Memorial Foundation. They're raising money for the, the Marine Memorial out at Six and Colfax. And it is Christmas time. And a great gift is to buy a brick for your loved one to honor their service in our military. And uh, that they're going to have these different walkways, but you will receive a beautiful certificate uh, stating that uh, there will be this uh, brick on these walkways. I got one for my father, and I, I have to say it's one of the best ber- uh, Christmas gifts. Uh, and actually, his birthday is the day after Christmas, so uh, it was a Christmas birthday gift, and he was absolutely thrilled. But you need to do that now and not wait until the last minute because it takes a, a, them a little time to process it. So uh, you can do that at usmcmemorialfoundation.org. That's usmcmemorialfoundation.org. And on the line with me is Richard C. Lyons. And uh, his most recent book, it's volume two, is Shadows of the Acropolis. Uh, But his first book was DNA of Democracy. Uh, Richard C. Lyons, what's next for you? Uh, I'm going to take some time to write a uh, screenplay I have in mind and then get right back to volume three, which will be a a study in uh, human dynamics in democracy, which which takes our tendencies and and, and correlates how that affects uh, a system of government. In other words, we, we like to be comfortable where we are, so we don't like things to change too much. So that would be a, a characteristic that's human and, and affects government. Well, and Jefferson understood that, right? He said that people have to get pushed, I, I'm paraphrasing, to a point. And up until yes. they get to that point where they're comfortable, they won't make a change. And so it is human Correct. nature, isn't it? 
Yeah, yeah, it is human nature. So, and there's a lot of things in human nature that, of course, affect uh, democracy because that is uh, the culmination of human nature. Uh, but being being what it is, this is this is why there's been this advance of uh, centralization of government in our in Washington. And the future, uh, if I may, uh, seems to be unless unless a, a sizable uh, amount of our population grows to understand the consequences of an ever-growing central government. Uh, things aren't going to change too much. But what we, when we look around today, we see the symptoms of, of what's wrong. When, when Joe Biden can, with a wave of his pen, transfer a trillion dollars of debt from persons who uh, assume that debt and can take it and move it over to another population in the country, uh, that is tyrannical. Also, if one man with a wave of his pen can wipe out the coal industry, can strangle the fossil fuel industry and unleash uh, raging inflation in the country, one man did that. And if one man, and, and think about this too, Kim, one person decided not to defend our southern border. It's the one person who has that charge. It's his duty, the first duty. And instead of putting 87,000 troops on the southern border to defend that border, he instead proposes to hire 87,000 IRS agents to persecute our own people. It's, it's bizarre that these changes are occurring right now, but they are all symptoms of the same problem, and that is the over-centralization of power, that he can get away with this. So, Richard C. Lyons, as you're saying this, the 87,000 IRS agents, it makes me think of the usurpations in the Declaration where they, they said that yeah. he'd send, sent swarms of officers upon our people. If you go through yeah. the usurpations of the, in the Declaration, uh, which is remarkable that, that they went through and they set out on the world stage why they were doing what they were doing. But yeah. this big central government is doing a lot of the same things that uh, King George was doing back uh, around uh, well, the Revolutionary War. I, I, I draw those parallels precisely in the DNA of democracy when I go into the revolution and its causes. And I repeat it at the end of uh, Shadows of the Acropolis, that we are now living at a time uh, that the founders would have rebelled against. They but, would have rebelled against the government. But... But it's, and I think about it now in 2022 America, I mean, they would meet in taverns and come up with their plans. They didn't have all these devices that are uh, capable of, of spying on all of us now. So how do we, how do we, and, you know, when, when I, um, so many people, you know, when Google first started, they got these free Gmail accounts. And I'm looking at it now, and it's like nothing is free. And I look at these Gmail accounts, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, Google's probably able to, to if they wanted to, to see everything that people were talking about. What You yeah. think so? Yeah. Well, that um, and we can use China as an example. We keep waiting for uh, this, uh, the emergence of email and all that uh, to, liberate, to liberate the people of China. But China uses the same technology to keep their people down, to keep them enslaved. And in America, I go into a chapter in uh, Shadows of the Acropolis of Cheryl Atkinson, and when the government decided to invade her computer at home and at uh, work and, uh, and lay traps for her inside her computer, all, can, you know, all these new technologies can either lend to our freedom and expand it or contract it. It depends on the will of the people on how to use it. 
Well, and it's interesting. I've had Cheryl on before, and when we were describing this, I, I asked her, um, I think I asked her if James Comey was the uh, head of the FBI at that time, and she said, no, it was yep. Robert Mueller. And I'm like, oh. And, yeah. and then I said, were, well, were you afraid? And she said, no, it made, made me mad. Uh, so she's, she's quite, the, you know, quite the important voice out there, uh, and I have deep regard for her, Richard. I really do. I very much. She was the one person to stand up and say she was she was at the head of a number of stories during the early Obama administration when all the media was just praising him to no end and, you know, fawning in front of him. And Cheryl Atkinson was the first one to bring stories that were true and uh, put him in in the media that were not uh, fawning of his administration. And she paid for it. She did, but she's still out there. She's such an important yeah, voice. And she really is. Yeah. And I am encouraged, uh, Richard. I see so many grassroots groups. It's, of course, it's kind of like trying to herd wild horses. Um, to, but I think we need to figure out to come together and have a strategy. But so many people are looking at this saying something's not right. And um, a silver lining to the COVID cloud was kind of the veil coming off on this big government and, um, you know, early on, I never dreamed that it would be an act of rebellion to walk into a grocery store without a mask on. It was a kind of a remarkable feeling at the time. Yeah, uh, I agree completely. How There again, you have one person within the uh, administration telling everybody what they must do. I mean, that's uh, the state should have something to say about that. In other words, Virginia, well, like Florida did, like Ron DeSantis did. He said, no, we're not doing that. We're not closing our schools, and you can't make us. And that was, that was a very telling moment for uh, Governor DeSantis. I think it's a great reason why he won by such a margin mm-hmm. and, a, and a great reason why so many people are moving here from uh, blue states. Well, and that was my fear with so many people moving to Florida from blue states. They're fleeing high taxes, and most yeah. people... Uh, even even if they're Democrats, they don't like to pay taxes. They don't like to pay high taxes. Uh, and in fact, a perfect example was Boulder County out here in Colorado is extremely, extremely um, radical activist Democrat general. I mean, there's there's certainly you know Republicans and free, you know freedom people there. But uh, when uh, Trump changed the um, wasn't it Trump that changed how the Oh, it was that. Uh, you can't write off a second property. Exactly. That's that's what it was. Or uh, it, it. I think it capped the amount that you could write off on property taxes on your federal tax right. return. Correct. The line. Uh, th- th- there was a, a picture in the newspaper. The line of people up in Boulder County, uh, getting um, getting in line to pay those taxes early, that before that took into effect, was so long. <laughs> I thought that was very telling. <laughs> yes, it is. And, uh, well, something to be said about that generation, I go into a chapter of it, it's called Along the American Road with the band. So we have our generation, Kim, which at one time wanted, you know, all the songs in the country were about, uh, you know, hate the establishment, do away with the establishment, rebel against the establishment back in the 60s and 70s. And that generation, more than any generation, has, has because of the semantics, they think the Democratic Party is cool. Actually, the Democratic Party has been behind, during our generation, the greatest uh, mystacity of the administrative state in our history. 
Government has grown during our generation more than any other generation. And that generation started out saying, we want no government. Right. It is so <laughs> ironic. It is t- it's unbelievable, the irony. And the semantics. They think, they, they think the Democratic Party is a party of freedom. They are not. They are the party of heavy, heavy centralized government and uh-huh. rulemaking. Yeah, it is rather remarkable. So, Richard C. Lyons, we're just about out of time. And again, this this important book, Shadows of the Acropolis, uh, how can people get more information about you? Uh, they can go to richardclyons.com, and uh, and the book is there and a description of it. And um, and go to Amazon if they want to purchase it or ask for it at any, uh, any retail shop. Okay. And again, Richard C. Lyons, uh, it's been just a delight. Thank you. Well, thank you, Kim. I I really appreciate your having me on. Uh, And most definitely. And again, that is Richard C. Lyons, and his first book is DNA of Democracy. And uh, out now is Shadows of the Acropolis. And uh, again, I think those would be great gifts for Christmas, uh, particularly to some of these students. So, Richard, wishing you and yours the very best. And to you, Kim, and to your listeners. Okay. And our quote for the end of the show is from Ronald Reagan. He said, the nine most terrifying words in the English language are... I'm from the government. I'm here to help. And so, my friends, today be grateful, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. My friends, you are not alone. God bless you. God bless America. And stay tuned for hour number two. And I don't want no one to cry, but tell them. It's the Kim Munson Show, analyzing the most important story. Socialization of transportation, education, energy, housing, and water. What it means is, is that government controls it through rules and regulations. The latest in politics and world affairs. Under this guise of bipartisanship and nonpartisanship, it's actually tapped down the truth. Today's current opinions and ideas. On an equal field in the battle of ideas mistruths or misconceptions and it is getting us into a world of hurt is it freedom or is it force let's have a conversation indeed and welcome to the kim munson show hour number two thank you so much for uh, joining us you're each treasured valued you have purpose today strive for excellence take care of your heart your soul your mind and your body my friends we were made for this moment and i get to work with a great group of people that's producer steve zach patty keith charlie jen echo all the people here at crawford broadcasting uh, be sure and check out my website that is kim munson m-o-n-s-o-n.com sign up for our weekly newsletter there and you can email me at kim at kim as well and i thank each and every one of you who support us we're an independent voice We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. And my friends, it's never compassionate to take other people's stuff, whether or not it's their rights, their property, freedom, livelihood, or opportunity, or their lives via force. And force could be a weapon, uh, policy, unpredictable and excessive taxation, fear, coercion, government-induced inflation, the World Economic Forum's uh, Davos Global Elite Agenda, or 87,000 IRS agents. And so that's why we do this show, is to help you get your brain around these issues. And thrilled to have on the line with me and doing a special show, and that is Dr. James Lyons-Weiler. He is the founder of the Institute for Pure and Applied Knowledge, and he's starting this great education program, uh, IPAC 
uh, edu.org. Correct? I got that right. Dr. Jack, welcome to this, the show. Did I get that right? Yeah, you did. People should dash over to ipac-edu.org right now. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> well, you know, Tim, I'm extremely grateful for being able to have the chance to work with you this past year. And uh, it's uh, time to be grateful for the people that understand freedom, liberty, autonomy, the issues that you focus on and help people meditate on on a regular basis. You're a great American hero. Well, thank you. And right back at you. Um, because you have, uh, and, and our journeys have been just each journey is unique to get to this point. But I could, I was looking at public policy over the years, and I was becoming more and more uncomfortable with it. And, um, and then one of the, um, Oh, uh, intros that we have to one of the shows is, and I think that's kind of how you and I ended up getting connected, was there were a number of parents out there, moms that were concerned about vaccine legislation that was going through uh, the legislature here in Colorado. And one of them reached out to me, and I was kind of not paying attention, and I used to think it was above my pay grade to, to read legislation, or, and it's not. It's not above anybody's pay grade. We can understand it. But she reached out, and when I finally looked at the legislation, it was a couple of weeks after everybody was really looking at it, I, I read it, and I, it's like, oh, my gosh, this gives an unelected bureaucrat in the future the power to uh, inject, force us to inject something into our body that we didn't want to. And this was all pre-COVID, Dr. Jack. That's right. Yeah. Um, two years ago, Maybe now two and a half years ago, I spent um, about a year and a half traveling the country, going from state capital to state capital, not supporting or not or, or, or fighting against any particular bills. But the, the, the pharma had worked with the Democratic Party uh, to strip people of their rights to uh, exemptions to mandates whether it was a philosophical exemption or religious exemption. And as we now know with California, they even tried to pass uh, the law, a law uh, restricting speech in public by doctors about vaccines. And they, they managed to get it through when it came to doctor patient conversations. And listen, you know, our founding fathers were brilliant geniuses. They and their wives hammered out a path for America. That's ours to hold if we want it. That's true. That was true then, and it's true now. And the, the Constitution and the, and the amendments of the Constitution are there to protect our sovereign rights. Regardless of where you think that they came from, the government, of course, does not confer these rights upon you. They are the, the, the laws and the rules of the Constitution are there to limit the government's ability to impinge upon your sovereignty. And this is what it meant in 1776 and 1780 and, and so on for until people started whittling away the big businesses, the power magnates with the Industrial Revolution. They wanted more power over labor. They started messing with the Constitution. And, and you know, one of the things that we have that helps with our resiliency in the United States of America is we, we have 50 states each state is in a great is is, in a, is an experiment in the American democracy unto itself, and so it's an experiment that can be used for good and used for evil. We can study ways that work together well and find ways that we can strip each other of our rights 
oh, look what they did in California. Maybe we'll try that in New York, this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's up to the people to stand up and remind the legislators, one, they're, 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 they're not rulers, they're representative leaders, and they are there to protect and defend the rights uh, that we were born with. Well, and Dr. Jack, language is so important. And I've, uh, I no longer call the Democratic Party Democratic. I call them Democrat, uh, because there's nothing Democratic from what I can see. But again, just that constant uh, word usage is important. And then elected officials. Uh, I, I'm reclaiming the word elected representatives. When we say officials, yep. that seems to give confer some power upon them. And these little nuances, I think, are super important, Dr. Jack. I do, too. I actually am working on a universal declaration of medical rights. And after teaching a course this summer with Bernadette Pager, one of America's greatest medical rights freedom advocates, and studying the Helsinki documents and studying Nuremberg and studying the, the Belmont Report and everything that happened leading to informed consent in the United States, I was on the trail of, of me and the students and Bernadette. We were all focused on the question of what happened. You go back and you read Nuremberg, you read Helsinki, you know, there seems to be a little bit of a whittling away, a little bit of a power grab by the medical community in Helsinki. But then it all fell apart when Dr. Anthony Fauci and his wife, Christine Grady, decided that they were going to write a paper that said that, you know, what informed consent okay, yeah, that's required, but the opinion of an ethical physician is far more important than the opinion of the, of the patient. <laughs> and they conferred themselves within their own community this new power. They actually believe that they have say over your body. And it's not correct. They're, they've been acting since the 1980s, so since about 1984, that this is their understanding of the power structure and the power dynamics between the physician and the patient, but more importantly, uh, unelected, appointed, quote-unquote, uh, officials. They're not representative. Anthony Fauci doesn't represent me or anyone else. Uh, you know, office holders, bureaucrats, who believe that they can dictate from on high exactly what decisions we should have, and then among the decisions, the options that we have, the choices that we have, which choice is best for us. And they are woefully mistaken. They are far off the mark when it comes to what the rest of humanity determined after World War II and the, atro World War II and the atrocities of Nazi Germany and how people were experimented upon by Dr. Mengele without their consent, of course, so, you know, these painful experiments that Nazi uh, physicians did to find out what are the effects of hypothermia on the human body. I mean, it's just incredible. But so when we when we look at our role in government, each person born into the American experiment has a role in government. We just are not taught this properly in public school. We're not taught civics. We're not taught our responsibility as a citizen to participate in our own governance. And so, therefore, we hand away our liberties and our rights to other people that we entrust with those um, without oversight. And that's what we, the public, we, the people, are born with the responsibility to provide oversight over these governmental agencies, these elected officials, sorry, these elected representatives, <laughs> and these people that are in government as a career, the careerist government uh, um, employees. 
Um, and of course, if you're in government, and, and, and if, you're, if your livelihood depends on government, then you believe in big government. You want more government because then your job's more secure. So it's impossible for people to actually not take a position on this politically. Yeah, that's the, that's another message. You are either active in your own governance or you are not active. Either way is a choice. You are actively um, neglecting your duty. And it's a, it's a, it, we, we all have a responsibility to be as educated as we possibly could be. Mm-hmm. That's why we have an entire law track and we keep on adding more and more courses uh, on the, the, const- the U.S. Constitution, the fundamentals, the history of law in the West, and we're adding a, uh, a course on uh, vaccine law. So this is, this is our time. This is our moment in time where we, the public, can finally become as educated or better than the people that are telling us what reality we have to accept. This is pretty amazing what you're doing to, uh, to dash over to ipac-edu.org. Uh, and this is uh, courses with uh, just amazing instructors at a reasonable cost. And this particular semester, I've been taking a course with Dr. Mark McDonald. And when you mentioned California and uh, them passing this law regarding basically muzzling physicians' voices, he's the one of the he's one of the voices they're trying to muzzle. And so it's been super fascinating to have this course. It's a fifteen uh, week course, and uh, with IPAC-EDU.org, uh, you're preparing for the next semester. So people should uh, go to work and get signed up for these uh, new courses. Right. We keep adding more and more courses, and the number one complaint that we have is that we have too many good courses, but our prices are ridiculously ridiculously low. If you're just starting, we do have some fundamental fundamental courses like Biology A and Biology B uh, so that you can understand biology, say, you know, the basics of biology before you take the leap into immunology or epidemiology or environmental toxicology. Uh, microbiology. So what we're doing is we're providing a, a curriculum path for the public to be able to understand the, the basics, the fundamentals, but then also to be able to discuss some of the more sophisticated aspects of what they read in the news and understand when when a news story that cites someone like Fauci, do they have their do they have their understanding of immunology correct? I mean it's. Not only do we have a responsibility to participate in our own government, we have a responsibility to participate in our own health. And that's what that's we were born with one, you know, one life. We're born this life and our the quality of our life is our, in our own hands. I mean, sometimes we're dealt a, 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 an unlucky blow and my heart goes out to people that, that have problems. But each and every day we make choices that impact our our health our physical health, our mental health, and uh, for some, the, the spiritual health. So more and more, we're finding that, you know, the courses that we're adding are do involve health, and we have the biology of nutrition from preconception to old age. So if you're worried about or concerned about what you're eating and, and whether or not the diet that you're looking at or considering is right for you, that's one way to look at it. Another way to look at it is, an entire course called Resolving Nutritional Confusion by the infamous, famous Dr. Pam Popper. Um, and uh, it's, it's just fascinating, Dr. Jack, what you've put together with uh, ipac-edu.org. Let's go to break. I'm talking with Dr. James Lyons-Weiler, 
and um, uh, able to do this special show for for all of you. We've pre-recorded a, a lot of great shows uh, for Thanksgiving week, so the team can take a little time off. And uh, so excited to be uh, pre-recording this with Dr. James Linesweiler. We will be right back. The Metro home ownership real estate market is very tight right now. That's why Kim Munson recommends you have seasoned REMAX realtor Karen Levine on your side of the table. Karen Levine will help you navigate through the many details of your home buying experience so that you can successfully pursue your American dream. Because Karen Levine cares about property rights for each individual, she volunteers hundreds of hours to represent home ownership opportunities at the local, county, state, and national level. If you are considering buying or selling your home, call Karen Levine today at 303-877-7516. Again, that's 303-877-7516. You'd like to get in touch with one of the sponsors of The Kim Monson Show, but you can't remember their phone contact or website information. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. All of Kim's sponsors are an inclusive partnership with Kim and are not affiliated with or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Kim Munson Show and grow your business, contact Kim at her website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there, and you can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you should not have to force people to do it. Which uh, Dr. James Linesweiler, as I'm saying that, I'm just thinking about informed consent regarding vaccinations. People should be able to take a look at it and look at the merits and decide yes or no, correct? Well, well yeah, they, they have they have to make that, that choice. Under U.S. Uh, Code of Federal Regulations, they're entitled to, but they also have to make the choice. And, you know, one of the things that people don't realize because the doctors don't tell them is when they bring their child in, they're not providing informed consent on behalf of their children. They're providing informed permission for the doctor to vaccinate. And then technically under the law, the children then, if they don't tear the office apart, are providing assent. In other words, they acquiesce to the act because we don't want to confer adult rights to children. They can't consent because we don't believe that they can do that yet. Their minds are not fully capable of you know, not eating Tide Pods, for crying out loud. So, right, so nothing against Tide. I'm sure it's a fine product, but, you know. But don't, don't eat it. <laughs> don't eat it, right. So, so the parents are not told that it's their choice. In fact, there's this implied consent procedure that the American, Medical, uh, American Pediatric Association started encouraging pediatricians around the country to do without any change to the Code of Federal Regulations governing informed consent. Instead of going to the doctors and saying, okay, do you want to talk about the vaccine today or do you want to consider the vaccine today, you know, offer it as a service or a product or whatever, then the, the pediatricians have been instructed to inform the parent that, okay, now it's time for Susie's chickenpox vaccination. Mm-hmm. It, implying that there is no choice. 
school boards have been distributing documents that say, in, in many states, that say that your child must be vaccinated to attend school. When in this very same state, there's actually religious exemptions or philosophical exemptions, or there are medical exemptions. And there's one state that I know of uh, in which there was one school district where the locals got together, they took over the school board, and now the school board is distributing the accuracy, the, the accurate information about the exemptions along with the so-called state requirements for attendance. So it really depends on whether or not people think this is an issue that's important enough for them to actually take control of their lives. Well, and we are getting to the point, I think, that uh, people are, are paying attention. The, the mask has come off on this this agenda. Um, what What's your comments on, for so many years, the uh, abortion uh, narrative have been my body, my choice. But then we get to vaccines, and those that had used those terms, my body, my choice, not when it comes to vaccines. How, how do you address that when you're talking with people about that, Dr. Jack? Well, we all have to realize that um, Planned Parenthood is the direct in-line descendant lineage of the organization known as the American Eugenic Society. Wow. Right? So genetic testing during pregnancy, for the most part, for those people that do the testing, they're trying to weed out individuals that are going to have, you know, disabilities. There's no doubt about it in my mind that this is the, this is the, the truth. It just so happens then that um, the abortion industry, and it is an industry then, of course, has commoditized the fetal tissue uh, for research and development against the objections of right-thinking Americans uh, to the tune of billions of dollars of profit uh, per year. We know what was, there was a, a, a videotape of... Uh, uh, the leader, uh, one of the leaders of uh, Planned Parenthood, and she was right off the top of her head. Well, we get this much for a heart, we get this much for a kidney, we get this much. For, it's disgusting, right? And so, moms are traumatized by the medical industry, oftentimes being told, "Oh, your child has, say, trisomy twenty-one, and will have Down syndrome." And I've heard stories where. And directly from the mothers, that they were told by the physicians that their child was not going to be necessarily viable, and that they were pressured to to consider abortion, and they refused, and then the child was born happy and healthy. So mm-hmm. we really do have to take a good, hard, close look beyond the politics of abortion and wonder. If, see, there's there's layers here. If you get caught up in the politics of abortion, then what you're arguing for is my body, my choice, which, of course, when it comes to vaccines, they don't want us to have my body, my choice, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, Bodily autonomy. But if you then get involved in educating everyone about what's actually driving the politics, then you you win. It's not an argument. You're actually a humanitarian. You're actually reaching out and helping people not suffer, right? Right. And so the, the mission takes on a different character. Now, of course, there was a time as a man in America, I couldn't even say the word abortion, and that was not too long ago, right? I I couldn't even say the word abortion. How dare I? I don't have a uterus. I have nothing right. to say about this, right? 
and I, I'm not running for public office, and I'm not trying to make friends with people who, uh, not trying to be offensive to women who have had abortions or, or men who have supported women who have had abortions. I don't judge people for their decisions. We all have to forgive and move on. Agreed. Including, most importantly, forgiving ourselves. Agreed. So the black, the black pall over how bad abortion is as a personal experience is, is lifted away to when you shine light on the drivers and the factors that manipulated mm-hmm. you into that situation. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm also not saying that women that have had abortions are easily manipulated or uh, that they're, I'm not condescending to them because I was fooled by the medical community to think that vaccines were safe and effective. So I certainly know exactly what it's like to uh, not be able to see past the cloud. So when was that aha moment for you that uh, you said, wait a minute, let's let's pump the brakes on this safe and effective on vaccines? When did that happen? Well, I was writing a chapter in my book, Cures Versus Profits, on vaccines. I just at the last moment decided to add a chapter on vaccines. Uh, the book was supposed to be a celebration of how we can overcome the profit motive and come forward, bring forward successes in, in medical practice, uh, advances in medicine. Uh, and I thought, oh, you know what? We'll look at uh, we'll look at vaccines. We'll just do a chapter in vaccines. And I I started at about seven at night, and I wrote about a paragraph and a half, and I realized I couldn't go on. I knew nothing about vaccines, so I had to go do some research. And in my research, I found the testimony of Dr. William Thompson at the CDC, telling Dr. Brian Hooker that there were studies that where they changed the data. They falsified the results by changing the study design to get the results that they wanted. We call that p-hacking in science. And I almost couldn't believe it, so I had to interview Dr. Brian Hooker, and I interviewed Dr. Hooker, and then I, I listened to the transcripts for like four or five hours of Dr. William Thompson confessing to Brian Hooker uh, what they did to this one study that was published in 2004 on MMR and vaccines, uh, MMR vaccines and autism. And there was something that really stuck out the second time through, and this has to be the watershed moment. I mean, I was tortured by this. When William Thompson told Brian Hooker that they have a committee that reads every study on vaccine safety that's published by the CDC or anyone contracted by the CDC to change the language. You were talking about language earlier. So that the bad results don't sound so bad or that the reader can't really tell that something's a bad result. And that's a sanitation committee. And then the floor fell out from underneath me. I realized there are hundreds of millions of children that are potentially at risk. Okay, now you've got my attention. You're going to hurt some kids. You've got my attention. Yeah, same here. That was it. That That's one of the reasons why I'm doing what I'm doing as well is, I and I feel like children are under attack, have been under attack. And it's like, don't mess with the kids. Just don't. And so that's, I think, one of the things that's waking a lot of people up, Dr. Jack. I, I agree as well. And then when we realize that we've been patronized, too, by this, you know, uh, the patronization by guys like Fauci and um, whoever's in charge of the CDC at any given time where they condescend to us like we don't know anything, all the more reason why I want, wanted to build an online university. We're four semesters old or five semesters old. We have 750 students thereabouts, which is a fantastic growth rate. It is. Right? But, but we have so many different courses that the courses tend to be small, and the students get to interact with the instructor. 
before and after the lecture, and they get to ask questions and make commentaries, and they get to interact with other students. And so we we're building a, an IPAC EDU community, and the, the people I can tell are becoming much more sure of themselves. Not in a way that is arrogant, but I it was one one woman who used to be in science, and she's about. I would guess in her mid seventies, and she was this timid little creature that almost didn't want to say anything in the question answer comment period at the beginning. And then two, three, four courses later, she's out there with a firm voice. She knows exactly what she wants to say, and she, because the information we don't teach it in a, at a low level. This is higher learning, and these are courses for people who never went to college but knew that they might do well if they did. They, they, they never went to college who wondered how well they might do. Uh, these are courses for people who don't care about getting a degree. They, they're lifelong learners. They want to learn the essentials of what it's like to live in this world. And, you know, for instance, when Mark McDonald is probably going to be teaching a course on mental wellness, and we have a whole curriculum track on mind science coming as we all these different courses about mental wellness and uh, neurobiology and it's going to be like a, an owner's manual for your brain. And that's why, what I think what, what we're doing is we're giving people the blueprints, right, to, to the knowledge base to be able to navigate in the public square and make a good argument in the public square, uh, knowing that they're not just basing it on emotion, not, basing it on, not only basing it on their feelings or gut feelings or intuition, but they're basing it on the fundamentals of how nature works and how our bodies work. Well, and so. and then and then people can have reasonable conversations about all this, Doctor Jack. So, let's go to break. We're talking with Doctor James Lines Weiler, and uh, we're talking about IPAC-EDU.org. That's IPAK-EDU.org. We're going to go to break. We'll be right back. Three Points Financial is a fiduciary financial planning company focused on helping individuals and families. Mary Alpers and Steve Cruz at Three Points Financial specialize in investment strategies tax planning and preparation, and retirement planning with no product sales or commissions. Tax laws have changed and will continue to change. Inflation is real. Three Points Financial helps you maneuver through these changes to achieve your financial success. For clarity and a solid, relevant financial and investment plan while working with a company that puts your interests at the forefront, schedule a no-obligation initial consultation at threepointsfinancial.com. That's threepointsfinancial.com. What you feed your skin matters. Botanical Rush is clean, professional skincare that only uses pure ingredients to restore and protect the skin. Your skin absorbs the products you put on it, so when you're using something every day, you better know what the ingredients are. Botanical Rush professional formulas are not just pure and potent, they are affordable. With regular use, these beautiful botanical formulas support collagen production, skin's precious moisture barrier, and reduce hyperpigmentation. Myra Mesco, the founder of Botanical Rush, holds every ingredient accountable to meet or exceed her high standards. Botanical Rush is non-toxic skincare, free of chemicals, estrogen mimickers, or artificial fragrances that hinder the skin's radiance. Discuss your skincare needs with Myra and set up a consultation at klzradio.com beauty or email info at botanicalrush.com and use the exclusive Kim Monson discount code KIM15 for your first order for a 15% discount at checkout. That's botanicalrush.com code KIM15. No matter how you define it, inflation is out of control. 
Increasing prices at the gas pump and grocery stores are hurting everyday people. All these challenges we face are preventable. Individuals must understand what is going on and who is responsible. That is why Kim Munson is bringing truth and clarity to the issues facing our families, our communities, our state, and our country. Now more than ever, it's important to support Kim's independent voice. She has the courage to research and inform you about the real issues. It's not easy, and Kim could use your help. Go to KimMunson.com to contribute. Again, help Kim by contributing at KimMunson.com. That's M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at Kim dot com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you should not have to force people to do it. And before we get back to Dr. James Lyons-Weiler, I wanted to mention the USMC Memorial Foundation. Uh, Paula Sarles and her team there is... Uh, Uh, raising money for the remodel of the Marine Memorial out at Six and Colfax. And they're going to have these different walkways where you can buy a brick to honor your military service or your loved one's military service. And it is a great uh, Christmas gift, Hanukkah gift, uh, to honor your loved one's uh, service to our country. You can get more information at usmcmemorialfoundation.org. On the line with me is Dr. Jack, Dr. James Lines-Weiler. And before we get over to these other subjects, at ipac-edu.org, uh, I'm taking a course right now with Dr. Mark McDonald on how not to be fooled. It's fascinating. And um, you mentioned one that I might really want to, and, and they all, um, it's an amazing problem to have people see all these different uh, classes, but this globalism, a critical appraisal, that will be in the spring semester, correct? Yes. So the person stepped forward and said, I think I have a course that's perfect for your curriculum, and she described it, and she and I worked on the syllabus together. Uh, we need to be able to do more than just, you know, arm wave about World Economic Forum. We, we need to do much more than that. We need to get under the hood and take a look at the engine of globalism and try to understand exactly who the players are, how they interact, how they're funded, why they believe that they have the ability as non-governmental, non-representative organizations to come into other countries, well, to come into countries, really, and uh, dictate what laws we should have, what policies we should have, and what culture we should have. So we want to know why do they think and how do they think they're going to use some centralized non-governmental influence to determine the fates of the world's nations and the individuals thereby. And so we have, of course, it's easy to point to Klaus Schwab, uh, Klaus, what's his name? Schwab. Schwab, yeah. Klaus Schwab. And, and say, oh, look, this guy is obviously something that fell out of a sci-fi movie or something. But in reality, there are committees that work on messaging. There are committees that run simulations. There are, you know, committees mm-hmm. that try to brainwash and program. And it's, Call it a conspiracy if you want to. Uh, my, one of my goals in 2023 is to rectify the word conspiracy as a legitimate word in the U.S. language because when two or more people get together and they plot a course of action, that's a conspiracy. So uh, it's okay to use the word conspiracy in my neck of the woods. But the, the reality is they're working on an agenda 
by which they believe they're going to bring about an improved world. And culture clashes occur between people who have different worldviews on the fates of individuals when it comes down to it, right? And so I respect all kinds of cultural differences. I celebrate a lot about different cultures. I went down to the rainforest and I lived for a month and a half with the Siona Sequoia Indians and the, the chief or the Haku of that tribe, his name was Victoriano Crioli. He and I got along so well. He used to pick on me and tell me that the monkeys were howling, or that the monkeys in the jungle were howling and they were actually uh, jaguars and that they, they were howling for me to come into the jungle because they liked white meat, okay? <laughs> so I, I, I'm not a, a narrow-minded person, you know, who only sees America through one lens. What, what I'm saying is we have to have a tolerance for diversity that leads to a celebration of diversity when that diversity is good and healthy for the majority of the people in, in a way that is that respects sovereign individual rights. You, you can have any agenda as all, I'm not, at all that you, that you want that's not going to hurt people in the end and respect sovereign individual rights. Mm-hmm. Well, these guys just want to steamroll their way right into the White House. They celebrate that they, they're basically controlling Canada. Canada is the mess that it is because Canada, the Canadian Prime Minister, Trudeau answers to the World Economic Forum. Mm-hmm. He was one of their young um, emerging um, leaders, and that that list is pretty amazing. But I um, wanted to get over to uh, a question regarding SADS, a sudden adult death syndrome. And Dr. Jack, I I'll open up my my computer, and you know the headlines are there, and it seems like every day there is some young to middle aged movie star or athlete or person that just fell over dead. What's your thoughts on that? Well, they did it with uh, sudden infant death syndrome, so they got away with it with SIDS, and they no one protested too much. And, and so let's go back to SIDS. SIDS came about when kids started dying mysteriously in numbers that were noticeable by people in the same town, uh, two or three kids in the same town. And, and so the, the medical community had to come up with some explanation for it. And they don't have a, a known cause. They tried to say that it's really, you have to put your, put your child on the, on your back. If you put your, put the, it's called, it's called the back to sleep program. Well, why in the world would a child be more likely or less likely to die in their sleep? if they're on their back versus on their belly. They say, well, it's because they, 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 they stop breathing. Okay, but then let's get to the root cause. Why would they stop breathing? And part of my understanding is that kids from vaccination can end up with immune cells infiltrating their hearts. And this happened to a young lady named Haley Golden. And you go to hopefromhaley.com and you'll see her entire story. Her mom and dad, Doug and Rashawn Golden, are on a campaign. They have a great documentary coming out. But there's also possibility of damage, autoimmune damage to the vagus nerve. Uh, The vagus nerve is a a connection between the gut and the brain, the stomach and the brain in particular. And so if if you lay your baby on face, face down. Now, the medical community can't talk about this and say, oh, look, it probably was related to the vaccine since most of these SIDS cases occur right after a vaccination. 
And they all they do is these arm-waving denial stories like, well, you know, if the kid died the day before the vaccine, we, then we would not never say that it was due to the vaccine. Well, show me the statistics, do the science, do the studies, and do the show, you know. But they got away with it with SIDS. So now with, with COVID vaccinations, we, we all see the headlines. We all see the celebrities and the athletes. We all see what's going on. These people are dying at the ages of, you know, their 30s, 40s, 50s. And it was not acceptable before. It was a tragedy before, but now it's just one after the other. It seems like every day there's another famous person. And if the famous people are dying, then it's happening all over the place. Right. And we see these excess deaths. And we see the excess deaths that are not only not explained. If you look at the statistics on that excess deaths, we know, okay, about half of them are, are attributed to COVID-19. The other half, well, no one knows what they are. They're, they're not attributed, and worse than that, they're not addressed. So when I say not attributed, I don't mean that they don't have a medical term for what the person died from. But if they die from a heart-related condition, or if they die from cardiovascular, other cardiovascular issues, or if they die from stroke, or, or if people die from a clotting disorder, they have a medical explanation for it. But the attribution for that to the vaccine is never made. And so they just say, well, this is some kind of new syndrome, uh, sudden onset adult or SADS, uh, you know, sudden, on, uh, sudden adult death syndrome. It's not scientific. It's not medical. To label something SADS, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever that our population of, you know, reasonably well-educated adult citizenry would except that right after the COVID vaccine, there's this new category of deaths in adults that was, they needed to stand up a new category, but they never give the proper attribution to the root cause. We should not tolerate this for one moment. And anyone who tries to explain away a, a death that was caused by the vaccine to some arbitrary new statistical trend uh, they need to have their license looked at if they're a medical physician, if they're a public health representative or a public health bureaucrat. They need to be protested for neglect, specific, specifically negligence, legally negligence, because we pay our public representatives, our public officials, our elected officials, we pay the medical community we pay them very well to look after our health. And if there's a spate of new deaths and they just say, oh, it's just variation from year to year, but it happened right after the vaccine and they won't actually say in public that it must have been the vaccine, then they're it party to keeping the vaccine program going and will be responsible for future deaths that have yet to occur. So the onus is on us, again, to hold them accountable for their behavior and their, 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 their messaging. We cannot let this go by. It's far too important. And John Aller, Dr. John Aller, um, I think he's a doctor, he's a nurse anyway, um, he reviewed recently um, the deaths, and I just published an hour ago, an analysis of the UK data on excess deaths and the title on popular rationalism is why is the UK suffering an unaddressed 9-11 like excess death rate every two weeks? That's how many people are dying in the UK where the cause of death is not attributed properly to the vaccine. 
Wow. We know it's the vaccine. There's no doubt that it's the vaccine. And There's the, no other possible explanation. It's because they already, these are the deaths that are not attributed to COVID-19. Well, and to have bureaucrats, I call them PBIs, politicians, bureaucrats, and interested parties, and of course, Big Pharma would fall in that, to continue to push these vaccines on people and then even get to a point of uh, suggesting that uh, infants and little children should get it is, it's, it's so, I want to say irresponsible. There's other things going through my brain, but I'm not sure I can say those things. Uh, it's just unbelievable. Final thought on this, uh, Dr. Jack, and then uh, let's go to break. And I wanted to talk with you about a, an open letter that you had written on Substack. So your final thought on this? My final thought on this is that we need a massive investigation into whether hospitals have been recoding deaths as COVID-19. And if you're vaccinated, recoding your death is something other than the vaccine, because that's illegal. We can't allow people to change medical records. It's illegal, illegal, illegal. Okay, and on that note, uh, we're going to go to break, but be sure and check out ipac-edu.org for the new uh, course listings for the springtime. And I am going to uh, sign up for the one regarding the uh, globalism. Uh, I think that'll be super interesting. And so we'll be right back with Dr. James Lyons-Weiler. Inflation is rocking our boats, especially for individuals on fixed incomes. If you are 62 years or older, mortgage specialist with Polygon Financial Group, Lauren Levy, can help you navigate this inflation squeeze with a reverse mortgage. Additionally, if you are considering buying a new home, refinancing your existing home, or consolidating high interest debt, it's not too late to lock in an interest rate before interest rates increase again. Don't wait. Kim Munson recommends you call Lauren Levy today at 303-880-8881 for a no-cost consultation. That's Lauren Levy at 303-880-8881. Every family needs a healthcare team that has your child's best interest as the priority, and Roots Medical is proud to offer exactly that. At Roots Medical, we strive to empower and educate both parent and child about the importance of gut health, how to implement healthy changes in the home, and of course, all of the benefits that come with a fully optimized immune system. Same day and sickness appointments are available and easy to schedule. For more information, visit rootsmedical.net. That's R-O-O-T-S medical.net. Roots Medical, getting to the root of your healthcare concerns. The ability to protect and defend yourself is your right. Having the knowledge and skills to protect yourself the correct and safe way is essential. At Franktown Firearms, they will equip you with both the tools and the skills. The team at Franktown wants you to learn how to build your confidence and improve your skills with the help of their trained experts. They will take the time to make sure you choose the right gun for you and teach you the necessary skills to carry it safely and securely. This holiday season, consider giving your loved one a firearm training course at Franktown Firearms. They offer one-on-one training or group classes, depending on your comfort level and skill. You will find they are fully stocked with guns and ammunition at or below MSRP. You can be assured that you are providing a gift that will truly keep on giving and let your loved ones exercise their freedoms and rights safely and confidently. Visit klzradio.com slash franktown today to give the gift of freedom. That's klzradio.com slash franktown. Franktown Firearms, where friends are made. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at Kim as well. 
And uh, thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. And we have pre-recorded these shows for Thanksgiving week, and there's pure gold in these shows. And uh, certainly this one is uh, one as well. I'm talking with Dr. James Lyons-Weiler, and he is um, a scientist, founder of the Institute for Pure and Applied Knowledge, which is IPAC, I-P-A-K, and recently started an educational arm, and it is IPAC, I-P-A-K-EDU.org, and uh, starting to take uh, um, enrollment for the spring semester, which is right around the corner, and uh, I want to sign up for this globalism, a critical appraisal. There's others I'd like to sign up for, but I can only make one course work each uh, each uh, semester. Dr. Jack, um, wanted to ask you about, uh, and people can find you at Popular Rationalism at Substack. And you had written a piece back on November 8th, a letter to neo-communists from an American popular rationalist. I find this fascinating. So tell us about it. Right. So on the eve of the pandemic, the announcement that there was a virus that was coming out of China, there was a faculty member from a college in upstate New York who traveled over to uh, Ontario, the University of Ontario, and gave the the inaugural Franklin Lecture. And in her lecture, which you can go find on YouTube, she made the case that because Jeff Bezos has been so successful and people like him have been so successful at accumulating and sequestering wealth, that we, the people, only have two choices. We have the choice between neo-feudalism, and that we answer to the people who have money, or neo-communism. And she spent about an hour and a half explaining how when neo-communism comes knocking to your doorstep, don't think about Joseph Stalin and all the atrocious things that he did. And don't think about Chairman Mao and things that he did. Think instead about Chairman Miao. And she put up a meme. But next to the funny meme was a Lego person that was dressed as a knight with a sword, implying that they're still going to need the power of violence, the threat of violence from the government, to do this neo-communist takeover. Now, the stunning thing, if if you're not floored yet by what I've described, (laughs) the stunning thing was... Number one, she was invited to a, a university to, to give this talk. Number two, she got a round of applause. Now, it's Canada, and I understand, and they're a socialist country somewhat. I understand, but Jody Dean, Dr. Jody Dean, it manifests and personifies the communist threat from the World Economic Forum. In her talk, she also spoke about how Pretty much, it's going to be pretty. It'll be easy for the neo-communists to uh, take over and and rule, really, in cities, in major cities, and and large, you know, large cities. But it's the people in the hinterlands, was her word, the hinterlands, out there in the free open spaces, that those are our brethren who don't yet know that they're communists that we have to go save. She said this with a straight face. Oh my gosh, hinterlands. So if you live in the suburbs and you don't, you are not yet in a rat cage, ten feet away from, you know, mm-hmm. rail that will bring you to your other rat cage of cubicle at work. 
which is the dream of the World Economic Forum and the communists uh, under the name of global warming, uh, she's coming, and people like her are coming. And it was on the eve of the pandemic. It was December, mid-December of 2019. So I wrote this letter to these neo-communists from an American popular rationalist. And by the way, there are 17,000 popular rationalists in the United States today. These are people that follow my my newsletter uh, on Substack, and they contribute to the discussion and they write me emails and they take courses and not all of them we'll get there right but the whole point of this letter is to remind them that neo-communism any form of communism cannot take hold here in the united states of america because by virtue of the u.s constitution under my analysis it is illegal right and the letter basically points out that I, when I spend my time working and I'm paid for my time, that the income is mine under, under the law. But if you then take my resources, my money, or my, my goods that I bought, my property, then you have made a slave of me. Mm-hmm. Because my ta- the money that I earn per unit time represents my time. And so you're now stealing my time, my life, my living, breathing life mm-hmm. time. That makes me a slave. And so if you steal my money and then redistribute it, you're more than a thief. You're a slave owner. And wow. we, we outlawed slavery in the United States with the 13th Amendment. Um, so I also have the right under the U.S. Constitution to donate my money that you want to steal to causes that I believe in. And to me, that's a form of political speech. And in fact, there have been court rulings on this, that a charitable contribution is a form of political speech. So you're denying me my right to speak with my money. And that's not allowed under the U.S. Constitution. And I have a right to bear arms and defend my wealth and property. And if you write laws that circumvent the threshold of my property and you take it out of my bank account, then you're denying me my right to defend my property. That's part and parcel to the Second Amendment, of course. And so um, these go back to the Constitution and take a look at, at these rights that are, you know, protected, again, by the Constitution. If you take anything of mine, you violated my right to be protected against search and seizure of anything that I own or hold. Uh, these are fundamentals, and I think we forget that somehow there's this other realm of philosophy where we can just, you know, think our way through. I don't think Jody Dean could think her way through a wet paper bag, right? The hinterlands? Okay, but we said we do have to take the threat seriously. So I'm not going to be enslaved. I will defend my property. I will defend your right to your property. I will defend my time working as a free free person in the United States of America. And I cite the first, second, third, and 14th Amendments. I'm not a lawyer, but I read widely, as you know. And, um, I just wanted to let the communists know that they will never succeed in the United States. I'm throwing the gauntlet down. And the more people know about the fundamental nature and how important their rights are that are codified in the U.S. Constitution, then you can breathe a little freer. You can think a little clearer. 
and you know that you stand on firm ground and where you, when you have to choose, there's so many issues, which, which fight am I going to choose? What, and the, the way that that manifests for many people is which course am I going to take? How am I going to spend my time? Right. And, and there's a course on the history of law and rights taught by Rob Rigney. Uh, he's excellent as an instructor. He, you know, I contacted Dr. Rigney and I said, I'm looking for someone who's interested in teaching this course. And I sent him the syllabus for the course. And it was a breakdown of the history of all the laws and the rights that those laws protect or in, in other countries and in the past actually uh, give people the rights and, and grant them the rights. Um, where do our rights come from? Where do they ultimately come from in history? It doesn't start with 1776. And so from the dawn of justice until today, right, going back to the ancient Romans, where did law come from? And why do we feel that it's important enough to codify ways that we act and behave towards each other that we can all agree upon? And when we don't agree, how do we resolve those differences? And this is a fascinating course. Oh, you my also- gosh. Yeah, absolutely. Dr. James Lyons-Weiler, we're out of time, but uh, we're talking about the spring semester at ipac-edu.org, and uh, I'm going to be taking one of the courses. So, Dr. Jack, thanks so much for making this happen. This was just a great interview. Thank you, Kim. Happy holidays. Yes, and uh, happy holidays to you as well. Merry Christmas, happy Hanukkah, all that stuff. Uh, Quote for the end of the show is Benjamin Rush, one of our founding fathers. He said, unless we put medical freedom into the Constitution, the time will come when medicine will organize into an undercover dictatorship to restrict the art of healing to one class of men and deny equal privileges to others. The Constitution of the Republic should make a special privilege for medical freedoms as well as religious freedoms. So my friends today, be grateful, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. My friends, you are not alone. God bless you, and God bless America. <laughs>